yeah so the main thing at at rest for sure you should always be nasal breathing um there's tons of reasons for that first the nose is a filter so you know you're especially now people should care about that you know like (laughs) that's that's your first line of defense for your immune system if you just bypass that by mouth breathing then you're exposing yourself to a whole bunch of problems and yeah yeah you can always think of someone like you know someone who says that they can't breathe through their nose because they're stuffy all the time but then you also know that they're sick more and it just starts this crazy cycle downhill you know over and over again so um that's number one number two you have um receptors behind your nose uh for nitric oxide which basically those expand your blood vessels and uh lower your blood pressure and just get better blood flow in general so the Hmm. way that the way that oxygen gets into your body for use as energy is through the bloodstream so if the blood is restricted or if the vessels are restricted then you're just not even getting the circulation of oxygen that you may properly need um it also when we breathe through our nose the diaphragm it always moves first when we breathe but it actually moves more when we breathe through our nose so you're just getting access to a much deeper breath through your nose from the beginning um those are really kind of the basics the part that any of your um you know people who are into fitness and exercise care about is basically when you're breathing through your nose you burn fat for energy and when you breathe through your mouth you burn sugar for energy so almost all of us exercise in some way to look better and potentially burn fat welcome so to the movement code if podcast, you're breathing through your mouth you you're not burning fat and if you're health and lifestyle nose, so that you, you can expand fat. and grow hey guys my name is antonio gurley your host for the movement code podcast i am a father husband business owner rehab practitioner and coach information overload has paralyzed many of us and we are overwhelmed with good intentions and don't know what or who to trust We aim to provide you clarity and confidence by bringing you expert advice for the everyday person. Thanks for spending some time with me today and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Movement Code Podcast. This is episode nine, and today we are chatting with Kevin Kirsch. He is a uh, doctor of physical therapy here in Colorado, where we are, and he has been teaching... Um, on breathing with Art of Breath, which is a which is an educational company that is directed towards teaching people how to breathe, mostly directed towards coaches and clinicians. But I wanted to go to someone, uh, go to to the source of someone who is actually teaching this material. Um, now, breathing as we kind of get into the episode has kind of been a mainstream buzzword. A lot of people have been talking about breathing in uh, the health and the fitness world. I think with not a lot of knowledge behind it, just indicating that breathing is important. And you know, anyone would argue that breathing is important. It's the first thing we do in life, so it's obviously a vital necessity that we have. But how do we optimize that? How do we control it? How do we learn more about our breath to, you know, potentially optimize our performance and just health in general. So that's what we get into. Um, Zoom cut us out halfway through our original interview, which I missed, well, towards the end. So you'll see a, a little a little splice or a little edit of us just finishing up this episode. But we have a good challenge for you guys this week. It's going to be 
It's going to be very tough for a lot of you, especially if you primarily work out and train in the kind of high intensity interval setting. So I want you guys to stay all the way towards the end so you can catch what that challenge is and you can try to apply it over this next week. Um, one, one ask for you guys before we get going, if you do not already follow us on Instagram, please give us a follow. We are at movement code at movement code, as well as at enhanced movements pop over there real quick. Just give us a quick like. And of course, if you like this episode, please share it with your family and friends. All right. Enjoy guys. We have Dr. Kevin Kirsch uh, on the show with us today. He is a DPT out of Colorado, um, and we're super excited. We're going to be talking about breathing today, and the reason why I brought uh, Kevin on the show is he actually teaches uh, a lot about breathing, and so why not go to someone who actually teaches this material? Now, again, the goal is to, to talk about this in a way that the everyday person can understand this knowledge and can start applying this knowledge. While Kevin teaches to other clinicians and coaches, our goal today is again to kind of break it down so that you guys can find some um, some nuggets of information that'll be super beneficial for wherever you are in your life or your practice, your fitness, whatever that might be. Um, so to start off, Kevin, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about you? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, so I practice in Colorado, like you said. Um, I split my time between two clinics, one in uh, Longmont and one in Loveland. Um, I can be found on the internet at uh, my name, Kevin Kirsch, and then DPT uh, on the Instagram. Not super active there. Um, but then if anyone wants to dive in further, ask me questions, um, my email is kkirsch, uh, K-I-R-S-C-H, DPT, at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to do my best to try to keep this as informative and exciting as we can, because normally when you tell people you're going to talk about breathing, uh, they tune out real quick. So I promise you'll get some good nuggets out of this. Yeah, no, man, I it's that's what's interesting. And kind of before the show, we were sharing this as well. And, you know, both of us, we're, we're in this, we're in the health and fitness and industry in the field. And this is, this is something that at least we see talked about a lot. And at a certain point, I was almost turned off by it because it seemed like everyone was talking about it so much that there was, it was almost so diluted that it, I didn't even know what the message was trying to be that they were trying to share was we obviously know it's benefit it's, it's it's not beneficial it's 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 a necessity right and it's 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 the first thing that we do when we when we come upon this earth and and I was kind of honestly I like I said I was kind of turned off by it and that kind of pushed me away from wanting to learn more about it and just more recently I've been reconnecting with it and just trying to gain some more knowledge about it thus wanting to have you on the the podcast to chat a little bit more about it. So I, I do have a couple questions and, you know, we'll just kind of see where this goes. Now, um, breathing has been a topic of discussion, like we said, for, you know, thousands of years. It has been in practice with yoga, meditation. Why do we, and again, this, I, I, I might, I might be getting my time frames wrong here, but why does it seem like there's been such a resurgence of breath talk in the last 10 to 15 years in the health and fitness community? Yeah, so I think you're getting a couple angles of it. You know, I think from the practitioner side of things where you and I are coming from, you started to see 
um, some bigger names within the education space start to talk about it. You know, we had the Postural Restoration Institute, which is all about just being able to take a proper breath. And that got pretty big. Um, functional movements started to talk. They released a breathing course probably four years ago now, and that started to get people into it. Um, I think from the gen pop side of things, you're really starting to see people um, get exposed to it through like yoga classes and the rise of people like Wim Hof and stuff like that. Um, you started to get that kind of like almost viral sensation of holy shit. I can, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Of, uh, of holy shit. Like I can get high by breathing almost, you know, like if I do these crazy breath techniques, I can start to experience like euphoria and stuff I haven't felt before. And I think that, kind of those two ends started to meet together at some point and everyone wanted to figure out like how could they leverage both sides of that because you know i i know people who have no interest in health and fitness who are like oh yeah i saw that wim hof documentary yeah that stuff's wild and then you know you have people who are really into health and fitness who also haven't been exposed to it so yeah no those are some interesting points and i think we forget about just like with anything else the extremes of where you can actually take certain things and what I find to be super fascinating is how something as simple as breathing can give you a response like that. Now, I myself have not pushed it to that end where I've had that experience. Um, I would obviously want to do a little bit more research and homework before I start pushing it. But I, re dude, it's, it's weird. I don't know why this just came up, but I remember as a kid, and I don't know if other kids do this or if I was just messed up, but trying to hold my breath to see my face turn blue. And I literally passed out at one point because I was pushing it that far. And you, it's just weird to see how the body responds, especially when it comes to such an innate thing, a certain innate function to your body that you don't think about, right? It's just yeah. something that you naturally do. Yeah, you really don't end up being conscious of your breathing unless like it's pointed out to you that you're breathing wrong. Or like you said, almost everyone has the experience of holding their breath as long as they can, even if it was in like swim lessons or something, you know, you had to do at least a max hold. And I was always bad at that stuff. So then when you find something like Wim Hof or something that can like raise your raise your floor of breath holding to, you know, to go from 30 seconds to you watch people get three minutes all of a sudden, you know, with one session, that's pretty wild. Yeah, this is, I, I like that you brought that up because I want to. I, uh, I think it was later on in my questions, but I wanted to bring that up of how we can increase our tolerance, right? And 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 if you can talk a little bit more about that, is, is whether we call it like a distress intolerance, and what are maybe the potential benefits of being able to raise that? Yeah, so really, what's happening at the base level, like when you need to take a breath right now, everyone knows that you know um, bringing. When we breathe in, we bring in oxygen and we breathe out, we breathe out CO2. And, you know, you think oxygen good and carbon dioxide bad, basically. But what's really happening is when you feel the urge to take a breath, it's not because you're lacking oxygen. It's because you've built up carbon dioxide in your body and your body wants to get that out. Um, and it basically is how much of that carbon dioxide can you tolerate? You know, some people can only tolerate it for five seconds. Some people can tolerate it for two minutes, depending on, you know, what level you're at. So when we take breaths in, it's not because you don't have oxygen, it's because you've built up carbon dioxide as kind of a waste product. And depending on how fit you are, or how used to that you are, um, that means you have a higher tolerance to the carbon dioxide. Now, if, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something you think about too, right? Because 
based on our basic life support classes that we're taking as practitioners is you know that when someone uh, uh, you know is unconscious or passed out and they're not breathing, you need to start that immediate CPR doing the breathing for them. But you know there is a window where the, the remaining oxygen in their blood can still circulate through. So that it's not that they're completely diminished, but it's more so when we're in a conscious state that the CO2 is increasing and that is what makes us uncomfortable. What's the process that is actually responding in our body? Is it, is it an acidity buildup or is it just that we feel that CO2, those CO2 receptors are just pinging all over the place and our body starting to freak out as a result? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a combo of both. Like it will change your pH level a little bit. So you will get a little more acidity. Um, your body just does have some chemoreceptors that deal with that as well. Um, but yeah, what we find for most people is almost everyone is over breathing. You know, you're breathing, you're taking more breaths per minute or you're breathing in more volume than you need to. Um, mm. And what happens is most people don't even have the ability to take full deep breaths from an orthopedic standpoint you know we have restrictions in certain muscle groups or we're just tight in certain places or you know from an osteopathic standpoint maybe you have some restrictions in the ribs so because you can't take full deep breaths you end up just taking more shallow or what i like to refer to as crappy breaths and the more crappy breaths you take you just kind of start this cycle and it all starts to go downhill from there that's interesting, man. Yeah. That, and that kind of segue, that's awesome. It segues into my next question of basically, you know, this is, do most people suck at breathing or are we just disconnected? But it sounds like it might be potentially a combination of both, not necessarily as something we developed as a habit, but more so as a necessity due to postural tension, you know, restrictions, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a little bit of a combo of both, you know, the answer is always kind of, it depends, but yeah, yeah. you know, most of us are pretty bad at breathing, especially in like a Western society of some kind. Um, one thing that we probably won't get too far into the rabbit hole of, cause it takes a lot to fix is, um, most of us just have underdeveloped airways. So we're not even getting the amount of air in that we should, um, due to our jaw structure and things like that. And, um, that goes down a ways, but most people just have that disconnect. So most people by just becoming conscious of their breathing can probably improve their breathing by a solid 20 to 50%, you know, um, then from there, yeah, you may need to address some mobility things or something like that, but being aware, awareness is always the first thing that I'll teach someone. Yeah, dude, that's uh, now just out of curiosity. So, you know, you kind of answer the question that most of us based in the Western society are having difficulty with it. It's the first thing we do in life. Like what happened to what? Why did our breath patterns change? Yeah, so I think it it's a little bit. Um, it's a little bit twofold. Um, some of it is kind of that airway development. And a lot of us are exposed to things like allergens and stuff. And we just we lose the ability to nose breathe really early on in life. And unless our parents are hip to that, or we just get really lucky, then a lot of us start to develop these mouth breathing habits. Not that we like mouth breathe all the time, but we'll end up mouth breathing more than we should. Um, mm -hmm. which is basically supposed to be never it's supposed to be while we talk and while we do max effort exercise, which as mm -hmm. a toddler, you're never doing max effort exercise. <laughs> so, um, you should just be breathing through your nose most of the time. And that starts to change facial structure and things like that. Um, 
And there's a lot of things with food and breastfeeding and stuff that go into that to a point, you know, with jaw development. Um, yeah, yeah. The book Jaws by um, Sandra Khan and uh, Dr. Ulrich or Elric is a great book on that. Um, really opened my eyes to some stuff. I think then it's a little bit too of just like we are constantly stimulated and stressed and we end up like reacting and breathing more than we should because of our stress levels. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just have to say though, I don't, you haven't seen my toddler, man. He goes all out effort all the time. I think he's always mouth breathing. <laughs> um, no, those are, those are super interesting points though. I mean, it, it, it's interesting to see, and, and this is more of my wife's world because she is strictly prenatal, postnatal and pediatric Cairo. And she does a lot with lactation issues and, mm -hmm. and just differences that you see. And what's also interesting that's been coming up recently is an increase in maybe it's just more awareness, but what we refer to as lip, lip and tongue ties. So mm -hmm. seeing how um, central line defects basically change how infants and or sorry infants can and nurse and breastfeed, which has direct development with jaw development or sorry direct correlation with jaw development, which we do know. So that is super interesting to know. Now I am curious though. So um, talk to me a little bit about. So we talked about the nasal breathing, right? Why is it so essential for us to be primarily in that nasal breathing pattern? It's because most of us don't think, right? Like we just think like, I'm just breathing. I just need to get air in. Why does it, why does it change that nasal is more beneficial than mouth breathing? Yeah. So the main thing at, at rest, for sure, you should always be nasal breathing. Um, there's tons of reasons for that. First, the nose is a filter. So, you know, you're, especially now people should care about that, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's your first line of defense for your immune system. If you just bypass that by mouth breathing, then you're exposing yourself to a whole bunch of problems. And yeah, yeah. you can always think of someone like, you know, someone who says that they can't breathe through their nose because they're stuffy all the time, but then you also know that they're sick more and it just starts this crazy cycle downhill, you know, over and over again. So, um, that's number one. Number two, you have, um, receptors behind your nose uh, for nitric oxide, which basically those expand your blood vessels and uh, lower your blood pressure and just get better blood flow in general. So the hmm. way that the way that oxygen gets into your body for use as energy is through the bloodstream. So if the blood is restricted or if the vessels are restricted, then you're just not even getting the circulation of oxygen that you may properly need. Um, it also, when we breathe through our nose, the diaphragm it always moves first when we breathe, but it actually moves more when we breathe through our nose. So you're just getting access to a much deeper breath through your nose from the beginning. Um, those are really kind of the basics. The part yeah. that any of your, um, you know, people who are into fitness and exercise care about is basically when you're breathing through your nose, you burn fat for energy. And when you breathe through your mouth, you burn sugar for energy. So almost all of us exercise in some way to look better and potentially burn fat. So if you're breathing through your mouth, you're not burning fat. And if you're breathing through your nose, then you are burning fat. And that's pretty proven at this point. Um, there should be some more research coming out and actually getting published this year on that. So done. I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> I did. I did not know that that is super fascinating. And what's interesting too, is like, well, so how, so obviously that's going to, that's going to pull a lot of people's attention as to like, yeah, I mean, obviously we want to look better, right? We want to burn the fat as opposed to, um, 
uh, using the sugars. What are, how can we also use maybe like a nasal only breath? Cause again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pulling from some of the things that art of breath uses, um, to maximize our aerobic capacity as well. Cause not only do we want to look better, we want to burn fat, but we also want to be more efficient, right? Like we want to be able to, um, perform in races or competitions. Yeah. So those two things are basically always linked. You know, when we talk about aerobic metabolism, um, basically using oxygen for energy for the layperson, and the other half is anaerobic, which is not using oxygen. And that's how people view those. They always think it's one or another. They think there's like a switch, Mm -hmm. but really what happens is when you switch from aerobic to anaerobic, you've used all your ability to use oxygen and then you start using the other systems. So if you have more of an ability to use oxygen from the outset, then you can go harder and harder with oxygen and then tap into those other resources. And that's basically the sugar that you have stored up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you and I are running a race, say it's like a 10 K, you know, and you hit a certain pace that you can hold with oxygen and then you have to switch to sugar, you know, one mile into that race you have nine more miles to go on sugar at that point. You're probably not getting back to aerobic. But if I can sustain the same pace as you, burning only oxygen till mile nine, you know, then I have this extra gear that I can kick into for that last mile. You know, so it basically just increases your your base or your floor. So you can go faster and faster just using oxygen. And then you can switch over. So it kind of correlates to heart rate a little bit, you know. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. How would, how would our listeners be able to implement something like that, being that they probably don't have much experience with, you know, sinking breath with movement or maintaining breath? Uh, but I think people are more aware with monitoring heart rate. Right? Yeah. So yeah. So what I usually tell people is, if you are doing something for the purpose of cardio or you know if you're a crossfit athlete or something and you're thinking about doing an aerobic workout um most people link that with time they think like oh i just need to do x amount of time but your body doesn't know what time is your body just knows what you're asking it to do Mm -hmm. so your body doesn't look at the clock and go oh it's a 20 minute workout i'm gonna be aerobic today it just responds to how you're breathing so i just tell people if you're doing any cardio any endurance activity do it at the fastest pace you can while still nose breathing. And if you're doing it while nose breathing, then you're using oxygen. For a lot of people, that's a huge ego hit straight off the bat. Like you're going to go way slower than you've ever gone before. Um, And it's going to feel pretty unnatural. And there's a learning curve there. But what you're going to, what you're often going to see is, you know, your heart rate is going to go up over time. And you're going to like, when you start, you may just be at 110 beats a minute with your nose breathing and you may not be able to go higher but you know for me personally and some other people have done this for years like we can hit 165 170 beats per minute while still just breathing through our nose damn which is pretty crazy um yeah (laughs) and you just you just get used to it and i'm by no means a super athlete that's just how i've learned to breathe um you can correlate it too to like you know if you're a cyclist or something and you have like a watt meter you know all of a sudden you'll see like Oh, I'm doing more work while breathing through my nose. Same thing if you're on a rower or an assault bike. Oh, I'm holding a higher pace while I'm still nose breathing. So the feedback of that is good. Uh, Running is about the hardest thing to judge. Now, so you, uh, 
obviously uh, just me knowing your past, you coach, you write programs for people and you've been, you've been in the CrossFit world and kind of been back and forth just as like I have. One thing that I've been recently thinking about is how we really don't do, I, I, in my opinion, and I'm not saying CrossFit, I'm just saying in general, like my workouts, I'm totally guilty of this. Like if I, part of it is just time. I just go out and do a five minute kettlebell snatch stretch and that instantly turns aerobic, right? Like I'm just huffing and puffing and going. But as humans, I feel like we don't do a lot of aerobic training where the focus is simply how long can we go that steady state exercise by strictly doing nasal breathing, unless you're a runner or a cyclist. This is more towards like the HIT training. I feel like HIT is just go, 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 go with not a lot of that long-term steady state. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's how most exercises at this point. Um, and if you're in like that class structure, and you don't have time, like what I usually tell people is I'm like, okay, just pick your days where you're going to go really fast and hard. And I, I, I still tell them to pay attention to their breathing, because a lot of times, you know, you're going to have to mouth breathe to go fast, but purposeful breathing still helps. You'll mm-hmm. notice sometimes if you're doing sprinting or hard activities, people hold their breath a lot just naturally, um, or they've developed the habit of doing it, mm-hmm. I should say. So if you're doing something for five minutes, like a kettlebell snatch test, you should be like purposefully blowing in and out air because that's your energy. You're bringing energy in and you're getting waste out. So if you're not breathing well during that, that's still going to affect your ability to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I say, you know, for every, for every hard workout you do, you should probably do about four to five easy workouts for most people I coach. So mm-hmm. They get about one day a week where they go super hard and I tell them not to worry about their breathing, but most of the time I'll give them, um, I either prescribe them your breathing entirely through your nose for this or you're breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth for this workout. So they basically, they basically get three paces. They get nose, 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 mouth and mouth, mouth. And the mouth, mouth is pretty rare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like full on you're running 200 meter sprints type thing. Now, is that more with the intention of reducing overtraining to ensure that you're just kind of monitoring how hard they're going? That's some of it. It's also just about building your ability to use oxygen. Because like I said, the more efficient you are with oxygen, like that's really king. Like if you can do that better and, you know, if you look at someone like I'm blanking on his full name or I'm going to mispronounce it, but the guy who ran the sub two hour marathon, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was largely aerobic for most of that. You know, he wasn't sucking down gels and drinking a whole bunch of Gatorade during that. He was just using oxygen for energy, you know, Um, and looked effortless. Yeah, exactly. And was nose breathing for a good chunk of it. You know, when you watch it, like he was in control and even when he switched, he's very purposefully breathing the whole time. So, um, you know, it's not an all, all or nothing thing with the mouth, but if you're just like wildly breathing, then, you're probably not doing what you want to be doing for your exercise. Now, do you have any recommendations? This is, this is something that I've just found for me to be super beneficial. I didn't really pull from anywhere, but, um, uh, ways to, all right, guys. So, uh, we are, we had a little bit of a cut on this episode because zoom cut us out. Uh, when we originally recorded this, like, I don't know, like five, six, seven weeks ago. And we've been trying, Kevin and I have been trying to connect since then. So we only have 
just one question or two questions to uh, fulfill this episode and then we'll get this thing launched. Um, so the question that we left off on before everything cut out was ways to use breathing to help reduce our heart rate and more specifically help us um, recover while working out. So in our original conversation, we chatted a lot about, we use CrossFit as an example, just because it's a world that Kevin and I are both familiar with. But we also use an example such as 400 meter repeats, right? When you have your heart rate that's been jacked up and thus your breath rate has also been jacked up and you have another cycle coming up, how can we use our breathing to help us recover for that next uh, bout of energy, if you will? Yeah, so there's kind of two ways that I approach that. It's like one, uh, what are we trying to get out of the workout per se? Like, is it training or is it competition? So if it's training related, what I usually tell people to do is, you know, try to get in control of your breath as soon as you can in between intervals. So that's going to be something like, you know, if you went really fast and you are kind of out of control breathing, maybe you're breathing through your mouth, try to kind of ramp down in a specific order. So if you're just mouth in, mouth out, try to go nose in, then mouth out. Then when you feel like you can control that, go to nose, nose, you know, and then I like to really add some pauses. So if you're really trying to drop the heart rate way down, an inhale, and then a pause for one to three seconds, exhale, pause one to three seconds, you'll just watch that heart rate just fall through the floor basically and then maybe three four rounds of that then you can get back to breathing normally but that normal breathing between intervals at that point should be um, through your nose in and out through your nose now if we're talking like competition style you know uh, if it's a crossfit competition or i like to use the idea of like um, you know any sort of field sport or hockey hockey or lacrosse where you're doing shifts you know um, that's why I recommend like something called super ventilation, which basically you're taking a big giant inhale as much air as you can, and then exhaling pretty quickly and then repeating that, um, over and over again. So, you know, it ends up being like a very fast, like <sighs> over and over again. And like that will get that heart rate to drop down. You'll get a whole bunch of air in and you'll kind of, uh, buffer off the feelings of fatigue. So but you really don't get a very good training effect out of that. So if you do mm -hmm. that in every single workout, your body is not actually adapting to like the stress that you're putting on it while training. But if you're in the middle of a, a game, you know, you, you can do that and then get some better effects. So, so the, the big difference between training comp, uh, com competition, right? Uh, correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Um, super ventilation is to just really just decrease that buffer system as quick as you can. So you're net ready for the next bout. But if you want to improve your CO2 tolerance and your aerobic capacity going through those other methods of either adding the pauses or ramping down, that essentially is training you to be able to expand that CO2 tolerance in a, in, in a way. Yeah. And just better utilize oxygen for yourself. You know, okay. like if you're doing the super ventilation, you're basically just doing the best you can with what you have. Whereas if you're doing those other forms and you're trying to control your breathing as you do your intervals, then you're actually going to improve at doing the intervals and using the oxygen for energy. Awesome. I love that. That's good. Yeah. Um, which is, which I think is, again, I think 
one of the biggest takeaways for this episode is going to be this last part. Um, as we had mentioned in, in, in the original conversation we had, which is just before this, um, today's training mentality is really just a lot of go, 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 go. There's, there's obvious benefits to training across the board energy systems, but we tend to see a overemphasis of the, uh, the very anaerobic, which is more, you know, glycolytic and just heavy, heavy breathing. Um, and so if you are doing that, right, you want to be able to utilize these things to better utilize oxygen and recover. Um, but as Kevin said, you're going to be able to burn more fat if you're breathing through yeah. your nose. So if you're getting to a certain point where you're only doing mouth breathing all the time, we're maybe not being as effective as we thought we are for our goal. So some things to consider that are really good. Um, now. Uh, I know we're, we're, we're catching up here and it's been a while since we had this conversation. We're going to finish with one last question, but before I ask you that, is there anything else on breathing that you want to add for the listeners? Anything else that you've recently learned um, or that you'd like to kind of close up with? Um, nothing specific. Once we, uh, once we got off that call, I wanted to verify what, uh, what I had told you earlier in the call, which was like what my heart rate could, could sustain nasal breathing. Um, so I did, I did some skier two minutes on one or two minutes on two minutes off for seven rounds. And I was able to, uh, stay nose breathing the whole time. And my heart rate peaked at about 173 wow. for that full two minutes. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't completely making up those numbers as I told you earlier, but Dude, that, that um, is solid, man. yeah, so I, it didn't feel that good, but it was still, <laughs> <laughs> it was still challenging. Um, now just, just out of curiosity, so that's nasal breathing only. So on your two minute rest, uh, you know, I can, I've, as I've, as I've tinkered around with this myself, trying to stick with nasal breathing only, and I'm using the example of kettlebell swings, cause that's what I do primarily. Yep. I can push myself while doing my bout yep. for nasal, nasal only. But then the moment I set that kettlebell down, I've kind of been in that ramp up stage and I'm trying to maintain that nasal breath. But sometimes that buffer has just been just gone over the edge and then I have to do those couple quick bests. Were you able to maintain that whole time only doing nasal breathing? For, for myself? Yes. Yeah. So I was, was able to do that. Um, yeah, for something, for something you can, you can really challenge yourself, you know, like you can, you can force yourself to breathe and not through your nose while you do like a bout of something. But, um, during that rest, it's really important if you can get back to that. So I would almost say like you may want in the work to go in through your nose, out through your mouth for a little while if it's high intensity mm. and then try to breathe through the nose as you recover. Um, you know, that may be a little bit more beneficial from a training standpoint. Yeah. So um, sometimes what you'll see is, you know, you can like gut your way through any sort of interval breathing through your nose, but a lot of times you're just not actually breathing that much you're almost like holding your breath for part of that. So like, you're like, yeah, I did it nasal. But then if you have to immediately open your mouth afterwards, then it really wasn't doing what you thought, what you intended it to do. So yeah, you're just running on, yeah, no, you're you're almost just running on reserves because you're not able to pull in and out the oxygen that you actually need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Great, man. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on and catching up with me on this. So what I tried to do with each of my guests is, uh, have them encourage some form of a challenge our listeners can apply this week. So for instance, in the past, uh, we've gotten into discussions about how much water we should actually be drinking. So the goal was drink, you know, drink uh, uh, half your body, body weight in ounces for water every week. What out of our okay. discussion of breathing, 
could be a good challenge for our listeners to just start to either be aware of or to try to start doing over the next week? Yeah, so I would just say if you've never paid attention to it, pay attention to your breathing and breathe through your mouth, or I'm sorry, breathe through your nose entirely um, for every bit, every minute of the next week, uh, besides when you are talking or eating. So, um, and the added layer to that is pay attention to how uncomfortable that may be. And especially if you feel the urge to yawn or sigh a lot, then you really want to try to stifle those. So that means that you may have some irregular irregularities in how you manage uh, carbon dioxide. So your body may be trying to yawn or sigh to get rid of some of that. Hmm. Um, so, you know, notice those, try to stifle those, and then just try to breathe through your nose 24 hours a day for the next week. Even if that includes some exercise, you're going to have to slow down a little potentially, but you're going to get some pretty good benefits. So, um, and then maybe carry that further than a week. Awesome, man. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be challenging for all of us. I know my, I myself have tried to, uh, since our, since our conversation, I've tried doing it and it's just so hard and you just drop back right into your just normal habits, just like with anything else. But it's just so funny how a very innate thing, um, which we don't think about and actually putting some conscious effort towards it is very, very challenging. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I just tell people, you know, keep, keep on trying as best you can. You know, there are, there are tips and tricks out there, but it's really just that kind of conscious awareness. Um, and it tends to benefit you a lot in the long run. So awesome, dude. Well, thanks again for jumping on and finishing this up. Um, and, uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right, guys, thanks for joining us for episode nine of the Movement Code podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode about breathing. I learned a ton from Kevin. Again, as Ed mentioned in the episode, breathing has just been such a buzzword in the health and fitness community that it almost turned me off in a sense where I didn't want to pursue any knowledge for it, just in the sheer sense of it seemed overplayed. And I wanted to ensure that if I did go down that route or if I did want to apply anything that it had some that had a little bit of credibility back behind it rather than just saying, you know, you need to breathe better to do X, Y, and Z. So I learned a lot from Kevin today. Uh, I have been trying to apply nasal breathing to some of my training. And just really be more conscious of how much uh, I don't nasal breathe, how much I mouth breathe, especially when working and kind of focused or in the zone. So I'm trying to make a more conscious effort of doing so. Um, again, recap, challenge. Over the next week, every minute of the day, you're trying to nasal breathe only, except for when you're eating and or talking. With that... We are trying to encourage you with your training to also do this nasal breathing only uh, practice. So for probably 99% of us, we are going to have to scale down some of our training in order to facilitate or complete this nasal only breathing task. Now, as we kind of got in towards the end there, most of us can push ourselves to do to do a nasal only breathing exercise during a specific bout of exercise. So for instance, if you're going if you're going like 30 seconds hard on an assault bike, you know, most of us can probably hold our breath for 30 seconds while still exercising, but yet then afterwards we're sucking and gasping down 
there. So the intention is not just do the nasal only breathing while you're exercising, but then work so hard that you have to then uh, hyperventilate to get that air back. So uh, let us know how you guys do with this. We'd love to see some videos or some comments on how this is working for you guys. Again, we're looking at improving the overall system. This isn't this isn't just about any one given day training effort. We're looking at improving the total system and the global scale of your programming and training. So uh, thanks again for joining us again, episode nine, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week.